Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. Last week, last week I started something on baptisms, and I said there are three baptisms. And the reason I was excited about that message is I know that it is a key that when we uh, experience these immersions, uh, these baptisms, that it's transformational. And I, I talked about how many people struggle feeling loved. That's one of the big challenges. I don't feel loved. I, I, I know God loves me, but I would like to experience the fact that God loves me. And people get hung up on I, I don't seem to be able to move forward in that. And so I gave a very significant key right out of the life of Jesus in the sequence of three baptisms. Anybody remember that? Okay. Now, now here's the risky question. Do you remember what those baptisms were? What's the first one? Righteousness. Second one, love. And the third one's power. And I didn't take the time, and I'm not going to take the time this uh, message either to uh, lay out the scriptures for each one of those baptisms, but over the years I have. And if you've been in these circles very long, I mean, you've heard all about the baptism of power, wait in Jerusalem till the Holy Spirit is poured out, you know, Pentecost and so forth. You understand that one, the baptism of power, which is, I, I saw in the life of Jesus, the last one. The second one was when Jesus, when the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. That was done after the first baptism, which is the baptism of righteousness. Now, and that's what I'm going to talk about today, part two. I'm going to still stay in this place of righteousness. Now, in, in uh, the baptism of righteousness, this transcends an intellectual understanding that Jesus died for your sins, and now you accept that and believe that, and you're going to go to heaven. This is something beyond that, where there is an impartation to your spirit, where you step into a gift from God that establishes you as acceptable, accepted by God, regardless of your performance. It's not what you do, it's what He has done. And it's nothing you can earn. It's only by faith when you believe in what he has done. There is an impartation that establishes you in righteousness, and you live in righteousness, which is not living by the law. The law kills. The Spirit gives life. So this establishing, being established in this baptism of righteousness is what when you're established in this, this will open the door for you to move right into this place of receiving the Father's love because your shame and your guilt are dealt with and done away with. So you don't have this reticence to come to God, the Father, and you don't have this sense of I'm not worthy because of my sin. You don't have that sense of being unworthy anymore. Because you are hidden with Christ in God. You are hidden. You are in. When the Father looks at you, He does not see your sin. He sees you covered by the perfection of Jesus. 
And you're fully accepted, fully loved, and empowered to go give that message to other people. Good news! You're loved. You're fully accepted. You're loved. And now here's, here's an empowerment to live life in a different place. Not to gain love, not to gain righteousness, but from this place that Francois is talking about, living from heavens to earth rather than from earth to heaven. You live from a perspective, this is who I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am loved by my Father. (laughs) It's a revelation by the Spirit that transforms you. Sadly, churches who do not move in the Spirit will teach a legalistic kind of faith that is under... People try to grasp it in the intellect, but... And but will not be able to to live it out in power. Will not be able to live it out, feeling loved. You can't you can't fake the spirit. You can't fake the work of the spirit. It's either you have it or you don't. So, I <laughs> but you can have it. That's why Jesus came. It's for you us all to have it. People, I just had somebody from the first service come to me and tell me how deeply they were hurt in a church, previous church that they'd been here. I, if I had a nickel for every time somebody told me they'd been hurt in a church, I would be a wealthy man. Why do people get hurt in churches? That's not God's intention. That's not what the Bible, that's not what he intends. Why is it? It's because we're not living in righteousness. We're not living in love. We're not living empowered by the Spirit. We're living outside of the Spirit, outside of these baptisms. And because we're living like carnal people, we are critical, judgmental, and condemning. And that's when people get hurt in a church. I know. I was raised in a church. I grew up, I understand, this whole facade of looking perfect, like you don't have any faults, you never did anything wrong. But the Scripture says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So there's nobody in this room that's perfect outside of Jesus. But in Christ, you are perfected. So we can just relax about this pretense of looking good. We can, you know, trying to dress up the flesh to look good still isn't pretty. Only Jesus is he's the beautiful one. He's the one. He's the one. It's only in him. It's wonderful. I'm going to tell you two stories today to try to help us move into this place of living out of righteousness. I'm still in this first baptism. That's the purpose of these two stories. One is from when I was at a conference in Texas, and the other is right out of the Scripture, which is not a bad idea for a pastor to be using the Scripture. So, okay, so... And I might throw in another a story about my own life that might help. 
Okay, so here's the first story. I was at a conference with Jack Taylor uh, just several weeks ago down in Houston. And uh, Bill Johnson was there from Bethel, and Leif Hetland was there. He's an evangelist. How many know who Leif Hetland is? One day you have to hear him. He, he, I mean, the Spirit of God just drilled me. I, I, I still haven't gotten over what happened, and I hope I never do. <laughs> I was really under that baptism of love. It was, I was on the floor. So, they had different pastors speak, and one got up to give to receive the offering for that session. And when he got up, one of the first things he said is, "Is this being recorded?" He said, "Could would you not record this?" And of course, everybody in the room goes, "Oh, what's this going to be about?" And then he starts he starts crying as he starts talking about this, and now we're really listening. This, this is whatever this is. This is going to be worth listening to. And so, he he says, just a few months ago, in my church, I walked into the church's office, into the bookkeeper's office, and he said, in ten minutes, I found out that our church was missing eighty thousand dollars. What happened to him is, in that moment, fear and dread and panic swept over him. He, he was just instantly, you know, alarmed to the place of where he knew the seriousness of what this meant in terms of this person, the legal system, his, his own position in ministry. You know, when things go wrong in churches, Religious leaders and religious churches, they, they don't think restoration, they think removal. We'll just remove this person from ministry and that'll take care of it now. And, uh, and then we'll go on, bless you, hope you get restored somehow on your own, in your shame and in your guilt. See you later, bye. Such loving people. But God's bringing, raising up different people today. So, he dreaded telling the church leadership because he felt that it would mean his job. They're going to dismiss him. Someone, I got this quote from Joyce, and I don't know where she got it, but it says, the dogs of doom... Stand at the door of your destiny. So anybody here today, if you got a dog of doom in your face, he's standing at the door of your destiny. And God is about to release your destiny. So the dogs of doom are at his door. And he goes to the church leader and he says, he tells him what's happened in fear and trembling. And the church leader said to him, Pastor, we want you to know we love you, and we're going to stand with you through this. 
Have you not been teaching us? We have to make sure everybody makes it home safe. So, by the way, I'm not preparing you for an announcement that we have a financial misdeed. (laughs) We have safeguards in our church. Uh, We have a CPA who looks over our shoulder. And so uh, we have accountability there, and we have certain practices of how we handle it. And uh, Bob and I have both agreed we won't handle the money, so we're not involved in it. I thought I should make sure you knew that. All right, so, Pastor, we're going to stand with you. Then they said, this bookkeeper was repentant. And then they said, as they met with the bookkeeper, and the bookkeeper was repentant, they said, we're not going to go to the legal system on this one. We're going to forgive this person. So they didn't bring the law in which the Bible tells us, by the way, not to do to those who are repentant. And um, they, they said, we're, just, we're going to forgive this, and we're going to ask God to set this right. And he said, in the next following months, their offerings doubled, and by the time he was there at the conference, he said, we've recovered from all of our losses. That's turning a confession into a testimony. Warren Williams told me once, a confession is all the details. A testimony is what God has done with the details. (laughs) Turning a confession into a testimony. That's what we're about. We all have a confession, which God, through Jesus Christ, wants to turn into a testimony, which is a victory from our failures. One of these days, the church that Jesus prayed for, the church that Jesus died for, the church that Jesus said, I'm going to put my glory on, we're going to see. We're going to see that kind of church. A church that has been baptized in righteousness, a gift of righteousness, where they're established in righteousness, been immersed in the love of the Father. This is my beloved son and daughter, whom I'm well pleased, and empowered by the Spirit of God to carry forth this gospel. Good news. You are accepted by God, so stop trying to earn it. Just receive it by faith. We're going to see that. We're seeing that more and more. We are. It's happening right here in this church. It's happening right here. It's happening right here. Now, here's the second story I want to tell you out of Scripture. In John chapter 8, let me read it to you. This is a story of a woman caught in adultery. It's also a story of people who were confronted by their lack of love because they were filled with judgment and condemnation. It's a story of a woman who needed love and was looking for love in all the wrong places. Do you know that when we can't find love, we will look for it in the wrong places to our own detriment. And we'll wind up doing things we shouldn't do. Things that harm us and things that destroy us. And it's all because we're desperate for love. Every one of us. 
to be truly loved. And I, I made this observation to Joyce as we were discussing this, what I was going to talk about today. I said, you know, you don't really know you're loved until you've been in a place where people can choose not to love you. And that's the tyranny of this posturing to be perfect. It's because if somebody found out that I'm imperfect in some way, now there's an opportunity to find out they might not really love me and accept me and stand with me in my failure. They might leave me. So I, I, I fear... I would rather live in an illusion rather than finding out the truth. Do you understand what I just said? So people in churches live in an illusion by not telling their mistakes out of fear that if somebody found out and I'm not perfect, they truly will show that they don't love me. They're out of here. You're on your own. You're rejected. We, you know, we know that the Amish shun people when they fail. Protestants do the same thing. We have our own way of doing it, of shunning failure. So this is a story about a woman who's looking for love in the wrong places and people who lacked love because they're filled with judgment. And they found love personified in Jesus. So let's look at it in John chapter 8, how the New American standing. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people were coming to him. How many people? So there's a lot of people around here. And he sat down and began to teach them. And in the midst of all these people who are sitting there as he's teaching, With all these people, the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. And having set her in the midst, how would you like to be set in the midst of all these people? Having been caught in adultery. Shame, guilt, all this stuff is just piled on you. Just public shame and guilt. And they said to him, Teacher, verse 4, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. So there's no talking your way out of this. There's no defense. Guilty. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What then do you say? So we have a woman here who is not only in public shame and guilt, but also now she's under the doom of being Stoned to death. That's what the law would say. This is a very real possibility she's going to die right here. Verse 6, and they were saying this, testing him in order that he might, I'm sorry, they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger and wrote in the ground. Now the Bible doesn't tell us what he wrote. It doesn't tell us if he was stalling for time to hear God. <clears throat> Father, I got a good one down here right now. 
What do you say? Maybe that's what it was going on. Maybe he was down there writing their sins to the people that were in the crowd. Maybe he was writing down not just adultery, but, you know, stealing, lying. Maybe he was writing other sins. I don't know. We don't know, but he was stooped down in the ground and and he was writing. It says, verse 7, they persisted in asking him. In other words, Jesus was taking his time. Has he ever taken time with you? It's like, would you please answer me? <laughs> so they persisted in asking him. He straightened up and said to them, and this is one of the most profound statements right here. In terms of interpersonal relationships, I think you can read in the Bible about reconciling and getting along with each other because you know we 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 spend a lot of our time time trying to get along with other people uh, he says he who is without sin among you let him be the first to throw a stone at her When you're ready to judge and condemn somebody, you have forgotten your own personal state of affairs. You've forgotten your own sin. And he was reminding them, you're in the same place she is. He who is without sin cast the first stone. Have you not sinned? If you've sinned, If you sin, then you can't throw a stone. But if you haven't sinned, go ahead. Condemn her to death. The bitterness that you have in your heart, the issues you have with churches and church people, like that woman who came to me after first service saying, I've been so hurt. By the way, the Lord gave her a picture of that church, of the blood of Jesus coming down on those people, and they became cleansed of all that stuff. And she just felt completely free this morning after first service. She felt completely free of all the bitterness that was in her heart and the hurt she had from that church. She saw them from heaven to earth. Instead of living from this earth to heaven place, they hurt me. Instead of they hurt me, Jesus cleansed them. By the way... These people who brought this woman to Jesus, they were established in the law. They were not established in righteousness. Being established in the law doesn't create right behavior. Being established in righteousness, the gift of righteousness, is the only thing that will keep you in this place and empower you to live in this place of righteousness. You're motivated out of a love relationship with God to to live righteously. Not to earn anything, but because you already have it. Because it's your identity. This is who I am. And because this is who I am, I live like this. And he's without sin among you. Let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and rode in the ground. And when they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. 
I think that's because the older ones were more in touch with their wrongdoing. They had a whole lifetime of awareness of sin. And so, oops, I guess I can't throw a stone because I have sinned. And he was left alone and the woman where he was in the midst. And straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. The Bible tells us God so loved the world, He sent His only Son to die for our sin. He didn't send Him to condemn the world, but to save the world. (laughs) Jesus is here not to condemn us, but to forgive us. He paid the price for our sin so that in our, our wrongdoing, we can be established in righteousness through what He did for us. Not anything that we've done for ourselves. Again, when the Father looks upon you hidden in Christ Jesus, He doesn't see your sin. He sees the perfection of Jesus on you. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Which He could have done under the law. Anyone could have done under the law. But He did not do that. He said, go your way. Can you imagine what she felt at that moment? She's been drugged before all these people in public shame and guilt and now under the doom of death and she's in this place. She said, go ahead, stone her. You are without sin. And she's looking around. Who's going to pick up a stone? And no one did. And they all went away one by one. And she's left with Jesus. And he said, I don't condemn you either. Go your way. Talk about a get out of jail free card. I'm free. That's what he wants every one of us in this room to feel and to experience in relationship with Jesus. I'm free. I've been forgiven. I've been set free. He said, go and sin no more. I doubt that she lived, I don't think she lived, a perfect life from that point on. But I doubt that she returned to the sin of adultery. I think this experience put her in a completely different place, a place of grace and love and acceptance. I don't think she had to go to look for love in the wrong place anymore. I think she just encountered the God of love. And I think it transformed her life. That's, that's, it doesn't say that, but that's what I think. I had, now this is the third story. Ooh, I don't have time to tell it. Well, it's about me, so I don't know if I wanted to tell it so much, but I'll tell it. I'll make it short. I worked my way through college, packing gaskets one summer in the gasket factory and they had these boxes go overhead you'd pull down the box and then you'd take the gaskets out of the cart and you would check them off and you'd put them in the box seal it up and send it down the line and that was you know the faster you worked the more you got paid and I was new at that and I kind of got behind after a while and it was a struggle for me and I figured I knew what just to do I looked at that next order and I said yep looks like all the gaskets are there all right and I threw them in the box randomly 
sealed it up, sent it down the line, and I'm catching up. And about half hour later, they stopped the line, and all of us who were gasket packers, eight of us, uh, they take us back to the back part of the area where the ship, and they had that box, the one I the one I sealed up, they had it opened up and it showed how random and how messed up that order was. And, you know, I'm looking at that and I'm going, oh, man, they're going to tell everybody. It was it was Walt Robertson who packed that box, you know. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm anticipating the shame. I'm feeling the guilt. I'm just like, oh, God. I mean, <clears throat> so they, they said, what do you think of that? box uh, the way that's packed and everybody agreed that's a poor job and, you know i'm yeah that's right i'm agreeing yeah that's a that's a poor job right there that was that was bad work this is the confession part of my story remember jesus takes our confession and turns it into a testimony so so <laughs> they didn't tell everybody who did it went back to we all went back to packing gaskets I went back to packing gaskets in a different way from that point on I didn't pack them the way I just did there as a matter of fact to turn this into a testimony my work was good enough that I got promoted before that summer was over so the Lord turned that around. I'm just telling you that story to to illustrate to you all of us. All of us have sinned and fallen short. All of us have these failures. And God wants to turn these failures, these when we confess them and repent, He wants to turn these things into a testimony of His power and His glory. Paul, and I'm going to close with this. Paul knew we would all experience this, and he knew that we would have trouble with each other, and that we'd have trouble forgiving each other, and we'd have trouble judging and condemning each other, and we'd forget our own sin. And so that's what he wrote in Galatians 6 1 2. And I'm going to close with this. Brethren, even if a man is caught in any trespass, And Francois, in the mirror, he writes it this way. That word trespass is P-I-P-T-O, means if anyone loses height, they stop flying or fail. So if anyone stops flying or fails, they're caught in a trespass. You who are spiritual, restore. It doesn't say remove. It says restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself, lest you too be tempted. So the person you're restoring, restore them in the kind of way that you might want to be restored when you have to be restored. Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. And then he writes this, The law of, of the Christ life distinguishes your spirituality. 
taking the weight off of someone's shoulder is fulfilling the law of Christ. The message of grace removes all law-related burdens such as guilt, suspicion, inferiority, shame, and sin consciousness. Find life we know is an Isaiah 61 church, binding up the brokenhearted, setting the captive free, and restoring people, restoring people in a spirit of gentleness. I'm thankful for this church. See, I grew up in a church. I grew up in a church that was like these people who drugged this woman before Jesus. They were bickering and fighting each other all the time. They were mad at each other. They were embittered. They were... It's terrible. I didn't want anything to do with it. That's why I went on to study to be a teacher in school. I, I didn't want to... I didn't want anything to do with that kind of thing. And then I got the joy of living through a couple church splits after I entered the ministry. I got to be around that bunch of people. And it's given me such a, a desire to be in, in an environment with people who understand the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the love of God, people who have been immersed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, immersed in the love of the Father, and, and immersed in this baptism of power to live in righteousness and love and give it away. And I, I tell people all the time, this is, this is the best time of my life in, in being in a church. This is the best time right here in this place. Because that's what's flowing in our hearts. But as I close this service, now I'm running really late now because I told my gasket story, but you can just forget about that. Okay, so would you bow your heads right now? If you're having trouble forgiving somebody, if you're embittered against a church, another person, maybe somebody you're married to, if you're having trouble, you know, if you're having issues with them, would you hear the words of Jesus right now? He who is without sin cast the first stone. The truth is we're all in the same place. We all stand in the need of forgiveness. We all stand in the need of the Father's embrace. We all stand in the need of His grace and love and forgiveness. So right now, if you are in touch with the fact that you're in the same place with, of the person that hurt you, harmed you, you're, you're standing in the same need, would you release them? Would you forgive them? Would you let them go? Would you let them go? Just set them free. Jesus paid for what they've done. He's paid for what you've done. Just set them free. And also, there are some of you here today, you're sitting here under the weight of guilt. And you don't, you don't want anybody to know anything or something that you have in your past. You don't want people to know what you're struggling with even right now because you think they're going to condemn you and remove you. The truth is we are here in this church to come alongside you and stand with you 
and restore you in a spirit of gentleness. Lest we too be tempted. We are here to restore you. I'm praying right now faith to be released into your heart that you are loved and you don't have to you don't have to pretend to be perfect anymore. You don't have to pretend. You can come out into this place and be open and say I need help. I need to be restored in my relationship with God because I'm loaded with guilt from the stuff that's in my life. And I want to be free from the shame and the guilt. And I want to live free. I want to be free. Let that move in your heart right now. Let it move in your heart. Faith to believe that that could happen. May God lead you to a spirit-filled, wise, mature mother or father in the faith to help you deal with these issues that need that need to be removed where you can say the guilt's gone the shame's over i'm free i'm forgiven and i'm free so i release an impartation of faith to you to believe that that can happen to you and i also release to you uh just the assistance of the spirit of god to give you a divine appointment with someone or someones who will help you through this the the right person the right people who will help you and bring you to freedom <laughs> i just remind you as i close in prayer you are loved When you get established in righteousness, it'll be easy to know you're loved. And the next step you'll be empowered. And may it be so throughout our entire congregation. I pray in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand? <clears throat> Mystery team, would you come? We always want to give you an opportunity to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit or There's words of healing. If you need healing, words of healing should be on the screen. And as they're up there, if you, any other needs, if you need prayer for healing, please feel free to come. Do I have the Africa team here? Any from the Africa team? We have a team going to Africa this week into Rwanda, Africa. We pray for first service engineers without what, borders or walls. Forget borders. They have a They have committed to work with Village Makeover for five years in Rwanda, Africa. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. So we've got a team going in this week to work with Pastor Willie and other people. It's really exciting. So we bless them as they go off. We continue to bless the tent down there. People are coming out saying, "How do you know these things about me? How do you know these things?" The Spirit of God is moving down there as a church. We cover all those who are down there ministering in the name of Jesus. We cover them. We bless them, and we thank you for miracles. We thank you for divine encounters, people to come to Christ, just to be loved by God. Amen.